Welcome, O oh curious and inquisitive tenor, to the Cephalon Squared Lorecast. Be warned, major spoilers follow, so we recommend skipping until you've completed the game's core story quests. Otherwise, on with the show. G'day Cephalon Collective and welcome to the 14th episode of the Cephalon Squared Lorecast. My name is Cephalon Greg, I'm joined by Cephalon Lucas, how are you sir? I'm doing good. I like it that way. Yeah. Anyway. We're the Rambles. We're the Rambles. We're the Rambles. We're the Rambles. How's the weather up north? It was a crappy day here in Melbourne. Well, the weather, it, it's been pretty crappy over the last week, but today it's uh, sitting quite nicely, currently at 22 degrees Celsius uh, with a 67% humidity. So it's uh, it's definitely been worse. Yeah, that's 72 degrees Fahrenheit up in Queensland down here in Melbourne. It was a shit-ass day. It got to about 41 degrees, windy as can be, and it was just dust everywhere. It was it was fucked, and the uh, fires started in Victoria. Nothing anywhere near as bad as our friends up in New South Wales are suffering from, but uh, yeah, it wasn't a great day, and then it rained, including all the dust, so my car is just filthy. <laughs> the messiest it's ever been. I washed it last week. I'm so pissed off. But now it's only 18 degrees Celsius, 64 degrees Fahrenheit with 66% humidity. The temperature dropped severely in the afternoon, which is great. But I'm still sweating like a biatch because the house is hot. Oh, that's great. It's amazing. But that's life. What can you do? What can you do? It should be cool, at least. It should cool down. Hopefully. Into the evening. Anyway, let's head on in to this week's Lawcast, because a Lawcast is technically a mini, we of course only have our mini news, and this weekend we have discovered that DevStream 133 will be happening. That's pretty exciting. And it looks to be covering Ivara Prime. Well, they said the next Prime, but showed a picture of what looks pretty much like Ivara Prime. <laughs> and hopefully Empyrean. It better come cover Empyrean, or there'll be riots in the streets. There's not already. There's almost riots in the streets. There's almost. threats of riots in the streets. <laughs> threats of riots in the streets. <laughs> yeah, but from what we see, it looks like uh, Empyrean's probably not too far away. And ARG looks to have started today on Twitter. So I think start something is starting up. And I've got a feeling that the dry dock will be dropping within the next week, depending on how long that uh, ARG goes for. So... Mm. This week is a Lawcast, and of course, as we go into the Lawcast, we have to say that it is full of spoilers. This episode is dark and full of spoilers. Spoiler warning, spoiler warning. Exactly, that was Lucas's spoiler alert. Yeah, if you haven't finished the main quest line, we're only covering the Silver Grove and a bit on New Loka today, but if you haven't finished the main quest line, then it's unlikely that you're anywhere near the Silver Grove, so we would recommend that you skip this one, unless you don't care, and then listen on. Apart from that, we do make mistakes from some time, from time to time, and we research as best we can, but bits of info can slip through the cracks, yada yada yada, we're not perfect. Lucas is. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, anything you want to say before we mm, crack on into it, Lucas? No. No. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Alright, 
So I'm starting with the Silver Grove. For a bit of admin, the Silver Grove questline is awarded on completion of the second dream, and you can kick it off at any time you like by going to see a lady named Amarin in the new Loka headquarters inside your nearest relay. And while I was re- re- writing that, it made me think, how the hell is she in every relay at the same time? <laughs> anyway, never thought of that. Well, we have kind of thought of that in the past, and I can't remember where we went with that. We might have been drinking that night. I can't remember. Anyway. Given this quest is a little bit different, I'm going to approach it a little bit differently. Uh, I like to do that with the lore cast from time to time, just to shake things up. So first I'll do a brief quest overview to explain what's happening. There's not much in this quest anyway, so yeah. Then we'll look at the deeper lore that's covered within the quest, and Lucas and I will discuss the implications of this. And in these sections, I will read from the lore directly, as I don't think there's any need to adapt it. It's already written as a story, so... Read it as is. Cool, cool. Are we ready? Do it. How ready are you, Lucas? Do the thing. There you go. That's pretty ready. Okay, starting with the quest. Amarin, if that's how you say her name, will then send you... Well, once you've uh, started the quest, she'll send you on a quest to protect what she calls the purest location on Earth, which is, of course, the Silver Grove itself. And she will request you to protect it by reawakening its defences. To do so, you need to create a series of apothics, which are essentially special tinctures created from the synthesis of certain natural items throughout the system. Yes, this means you will need to scan plant life across a bunch of different planets at various times of the day in order to require the required amount of data to synthesize each apothic. Fun, fun, fun. No, it's not. These apothics are then poured upon the shrine that is held within the Silver Grove each time this is performed, and it can be performed any time outside of the quest as well, and Lucas has covered that in separate episodes. But each time this is performed during the quest, a disembodied voice calls out to first ask why they're there, secondly to demand that they leave, and third to confirm that they are actually, they being the the Tenno is actually a protector of the shrine. They recognize this. While the Silver Grove did once have its own protector, which was Titania herself, which is why the Silver Grove quest is for Titania, it's also guarded by one of three guardians who are called upon by each of the apothics that you craft. Taking out these guardians will reward the Tenno with each of the Titania Warframe component blueprints and completing the quest in full, then awards the Tenno with the Titania blueprint, which is actually awarded by New Loka. So that's the quest. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward, but it's by no means simple because you have to keep going to different planets at different times of the day to get all the parts. Lucas has written a Silver Grove farming guide. It is on the website, cephalonsquared.com, under the training fragments and guide section. Look it up. It is very, very helpful. All right, so a very quick definition. The word apothic is not necessarily a real word. On doing an internet search, I discovered that it's not quite a word that's commonly used at all. In fact, DE is one of the only people that really has used this word. And in the context of the way that it's used in Warframe, DE is definitely the only one using it this way. The only other way I could find was a winemaker who referred to one of their wines as a red apothic or something. I forgot what it was now. I should have taken that note. What a dumb guy. Dumb guy. Ding, ding, ding. 
However, that doesn't mean it's impossible to determine its meaning. I believe the word is either based on the word apothecary, it probably is based on that word, which is essentially another word for either a pharmacy, which is, of course, a place that sells medicine, or a person that crafts medicines. Therefore, the apothec is a kind of medicine itself for the silver grove. Grover. As an added bonus, the word apothecary probably came from the ancient Greek word apotheca, which was a place that was used to store wine. So full circle there. And of course, wine is a kind of medicine. I'm nodding. Can't see me, but I'm nodding. Especially red wine. (laughs) All right. You ready, Lucas? I'm going to read out the Nightfall imprint, which is the first imprint that you need to manufacture for the apothec. My bags are packed. I'm all set to leave. I can't believe I'll be working with one of my childhood heroes, Archimedean Margulis. On comms, she said she needed the best infestation biologist there was. I think my knees almost gave out. As I log this, I look out the stained plastic of my field tent into the dead yellow sky of Earth. I smell the vague sulfur and toxins leaking through the seals, yet somehow I'm going to miss this place. Leaving her feels like I'm giving up my dream. My dream to see green and blue return to this sick and dying mother of us all. But I'm frustrated by my lack of progress. I've tried everything to accelerate the aging vegetation, to guide and nurture the soil, but nothing comes of it. I need a change. Now I have that opportunity, and thanks to Margulis, I'm relieved I won't be drafted into some Oricon war project. Okay, I didn't put on a voice for that one because it was too long, and it is supposed to be a female voice, and we all know I'm not very good at those. (laughs) No comment. Or anything. (laughs) Or any voice, really, let's face it. Okay, so what do you think of that particular imprint, Lucas? Hmm. What do you pull out of there in particular? Is there anything that strikes you? Well, I mean, one of the uh, the big things that kind of struck me was the... The last sentence, uh, I'm relieved I won't be drafted into some Oregon war project. I, I, yeah, that, that's a bit of an interesting one. The fact that she was a, you know, the best infestation biologist, you could easily see why she would be worried about being drafted into some big war project like that, especially since we have come to the knowledge now that the infestation was kind of used to build warframes. Exactly. I found it really interesting what she was coming from. So, you know, saying that she's leaving the, the sulfur and to- toxins leaking through the seals and her, her dream to see green and blue return to the sick and dying mother of us all. So clearly it was her goal to try and re- return Earth to a healthy state. Yeah. And I found that really interesting as well. So I don't think there's a hell of a lot in the Nightfall imprint, just that at this stage, Margulis is still alive, and Margulis requires her assistance because she needs the best infestation biologist, so, hmm. All right, so the Twilight imprint, so this is the second apothec that you need to craft. The quote goes like this. My childhood dream has become a nightmare. I don't blame Margulis. She's as much a victim as the children we're working with. At first, the project seemed therapeutic and nurturing. I was myself. But now, transference therapy is being turned into a weapon. 
Now I build these vile weapons called warframes, all for one purpose. Death. I've become everything I hate. I long for the discomfort of my damp tent, the sick aimless trees, the barren soil. I know I left my soul back there. Titania is the next warframe I've been commanded to build, but in secret I've been siphoning re resources from that project. I have an idea, a way back to the wounded land I call home, a way for me to forget this war and remember what I was. Lots more interesting stuff in there. So as you mentioned last uh, in the last section... Obviously, we know what happens with the building of Warframes. Now, I'm conflicted at this point because what we know from the Sacrifice quest is that Ballas injected unwilling or willing participants with the infestation in order to turn them into Warframes. So yeah. what exactly was this project between Margulis and... I should have taken the note of this uh, this lady's name. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm, indeed. We don't have all the information, sadly. No. There's a few interesting things, uh, especially the fact that she's referred to transference as transference therapy. Yeah, no, that, that's that's an interesting one. How how do you how can you find therapeutic? Um, capabilities behind transferring one's mind into a surrogate body. Well, that's the thing. I believe, and I'm pretty sure this is covered somewhere else within the law, that originally Margulis used transference in order to put the kids into the second dream so that they wouldn't have to deal with their void powers. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So it was the transference therapy that basically shut the kids off from the rest of the world. And then they realized that they could use it to actually transfer them into a proxy, which could then be used as a frame of war. Is that really a therapy though? Because to me, it just sounds like they're locking the children away from, from what they are and from, you know, the, the, the issues in the world. It's, it's, it's more of like a, a blanket than, a form of therapy. Yeah, but anyth anything at any point in time can be called a therapy. Mm. It's only with hindsight, I guess, that you actually realise that it was cruel. Yeah. <laughs> like, look, look, back, look at reality. They used to think that drilling a hole into people's head would fix mental ailments. Yeah. So, you know, I think this is just another example of that. It was one way for for them to perhaps shut the kids up. Yeah, it's okay, children. Go to sleep. All of your problems yeah. will be forgotten. Exactly, and I think that's really part of the resentment that the Tenno have, because that is what was hap that is what was done to them. Yeah, they were put into the second dream to forget about everything, but the second time it was done by the Lotus. Yeah, after the war. So my thoughts, and you know, we really don't have the information here, is that prior to. Ballas taking over this project and using the infestation on people, I think they were using a different form of the infestation to actually try and create Warframes. Because she does say here uh, she's been commanded to build the Titania Warframe, uh, which is very different terminology than you would expect for, you know, injecting. Yeah. <laughs> 
someone with an infestation virus. So I don't know whether any of this is going to change if they decide, oh shit, this is conflicting, or if it's just the original Warframes that came from these original projects. I mean, they must be imperfect. So yeah, I mean, that makes you really think, how is it you're able to control the form of which the infestation takes. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, if you think that Umbra came after Ti- Titania, I think there's a, there's still a lot of gaps as into the uh, in the building of the Warframes that we just don't really understand. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the, the third and last section, the Sunrise imprint. The text goes as such, Ballas is beyond pleased. But when I look at what I've built at Titania, I feel sick creep up into my throat. I hate her. A killer made by a healer. No more. I'm going back to where I belong, no matter the cost. I'm going back to the trees to find myself again. These past weeks have been secretly testing transference on myself. I can only survive short bursts, linking to Titania the way only Tenno can stand. I've never felt anything like it. A tortured presence, like an evil ink, staining my mind. But it worked. I'm going to use this wrong to make it right. I'll stow away with earthbound cargo, just my apothics and these slapdash somatics I've stolen. By nightfall, I'll be home again in my tent under those bitter acrid skies. Acid skies. This time, I'm going to fix it. I'll seed a mighty forest stronger than history, and by my will, use it to bring life. So, what stands out to you there? <sighs> um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Sh- absolutely. Shitloads. I mean, the idea of testing transference on, on oneself and seeing what kind of results come from it, like a tortured presence, an evil ink staining one's mind, that's, that's some red flag shit right there. Yeah. Who is she? Is she an Oricon? You know, I thought only the Tenno could use transference, but obviously that's not the case. Mm. So what is what exactly is transference? If um, if it's something that anyone can do, I thought it was some. I thought it was kind of like a void ability that the kids had, but it appears that it's not. I think because of the the void energies, uh, the children can withstand it for a longer uh, duration without it corrupting their mind, like it so obviously does to this individual Mm, yeah fair enough yeah that's so my my thoughts from the last section is that she is the voice in the the silver grove oh no she is she is i think that's pretty damn clear yeah that she is the voice she basically transferred herself into the forest or at least into the silver grove uh, or possibly just into the shrine made an entire grove of herself uh, as an as an ai yeah that's pretty Which cool pretty fucking cool <laughs> it's, exactly it's technology that is on a whole another level exactly so every time you go back and you drop a, uh, an apothic on her i guess in a way you're strengthening her but you're also calling out a guardian because titania is not there as the the sole guardian of the place so those individual guardians are there in place of titania it's it's interesting I still think that there's that the sacrifice conflicts with some of this stuff, or at least that the gaps between the sacrifice and this has, have not been healed as yet. Sorry, filled. Yeah. 
Anything else you want to say about the Titania slash Silvergrove quest? One little thing, and I'm actually going to touch on it a little bit more coming up, but through the through the learning that the Silvergrove is actually an AI, uh, New Loka begins to question their beliefs and teachings. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. All right, so before we go on into New Loka, if there's anyone out there, hat tip to Grey Archon, that has more information on this, please let us know. We will do a little update in a future episode if we can get more information because there's some gaps here and I'm really, really keen to find out how we can fill those. So feel free to reach out to us, cephalonsquared at gmail.com. All right, on to New Loka. Okay. <clears throat> Only through restoration of a pure humanity and the repopulation of Earth can the conflict end. The new Loka are worshippers of the human form and earth before its corruption. No matter how far we reach into the stars, new Loka knows it is earth that has always been our home. Turning away from genetic tampering that has twisted the Grenier and the technological meddling that has corrupted earth, it is New Loka that fights for the repopulation of a world once abandoned. Ooh. The Syndicate of New Loka is one that has had very little to do with the Tenno outside of the Silvergrove questline. New Loka is a faction of purists that seek the revival and reclamation of their home world from the clutches of the ever-corrupted Grenier. They believe those that have attempted uh, alterations to the original design of humanity to be impure and undeserving of the blessings granted by Earth. It is through these beliefs that their hatred of Oricon technology originates, as though, as through the eyes of the pure, technological advancements were what caused the impure beings to rise and lay waste to the home world. Priestess Amarin, who leads New Loka, does come to a point during the Silver Grove questline where her beliefs are put into question and she finds herself beginning to reevaluate the teachings and the stand in which New Loka views the technologies of the Oricon. As far as relations go with New Loka, Parent Sequence seems to be an unlikely ally as members of this syndicate are made up of corpus defectors and corpus themselves are well known for augmenting the natural body for work purposes or to prolong one's life. However, as far as we have seen thus far, no members of Parent Sequence appear to be augmented, and their stand on conflict definitely holds them in New Loka's good books. But on the opposite scale, side of the scale, we have Steel Meridian and Cephalon Suda. Starting with Steel Meridian, this one comes down to the fact that the members of Steel Meridian are Grenier which to New Loka is a horrendous impurity. Well, that and the fact that it is the Grenier that have done most of the damage to the Earth's ecosystems over the present years. Now, it comes to as no surprise that New Loka don't get along with Cephalon Suda. For the most part, Suda is a form of technically artificial intelligence, another corrupted piece of tech from the Oricon Empire. But not only that, Suda is a seeker of information, such as the methods used to build the Oricon's tech and empire, all of which is information that leads to impurity in the eyes of New Loka. That is until the Silver Grove, where the views 
of New Loka have been tested. Will this change the structure of the syndicates in the future? Perhaps. But for now, the views of the pure stand questioned. Now, as I stated earlier, New Loka has had very little involvement with the Tano, and I want to discuss this further and ask if the lack of their involvement has anything to do with the Tenno being changed by the Void. Do, 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 do. What are your thoughts, Greg? The new Loka's weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just can't... Well, I can. I can I can understand them. You just explained them. But I, I still sort of can't get my head around what their their thoughts on the Tenno. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a weird one. Because, I mean, every time you uh, uh, talk to them in in the relays and whatnot, they don't seem to really have like a a negative or positive stand on you. It's just kind of like, oh yes, you're here. Hi. Yeah, and I guess they're they're pro life in a way, so it doesn't matter to them. They don't care. But I just I just find them kind of I mean I, I understand that, you know, the whole thing about Earth and needing to rebuild it and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's a whole system. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess that's what makes them uh, a really good faction because you shouldn't necessarily understand or, or agree with everything they say or do because then they wouldn't really exist as a faction, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, so, so one of the things is obviously they don't like the alterations of the, you know, the original view of humanity mm. so now the void seems to be in the uh in the origin system seems to be a natural yeah i was gonna say a natural thing but would the corruption of the void upon you know the the, the pure body would that be seen as an alteration or is that just kind of like a natural, natural evolution that's probably why they don't care, give much of a fuck about the Tenno, because it's just a natural, like you said, a natural evolution caused yeah. by a natural, a thing that exists naturally within the, the system. Because they hate the Grenier because they're cloned. Yeah, they're cloned clones of cloned clones. Exactly. They pretty <laughs> much hate the Corpus for the same reason, because they're kind of just like dead bodies in suits. Yeah. Although the parent sequence, like, that, that still kind of throws me off a little bit. The parent sequence, mm. of all things. Yeah. I don't know why they're friends with parent sequence. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I mean, like, actually thinking back on it and, and viewing, um, you know, parent sequence members, I can't see any that have any visible augmentation. Mm. But it's still, you know, they are they are still X um, corpus. Corpus. Yeah. It, it's, it's still an idea that is there. What I'm really looking forward to, though, is mm. because of the fact that the Silver Grove shook the foundations of New Loka's views so heavily, like, can we eventually expect to see a shake-up of the Syndicate structure? <sighs> I don't know. I think logically going by the lore in the game, you could expect to at some point, but based on the amount of work that D needs to do, I don't yeah. know. But I guess it's just one of the systems that kind of needs changing, isn't it? It it kind of is, yeah. Because you know a lot of the stuff that's in there, nobody cares about anymore. Once you once you're in the MR twenties, meh, you've pretty much got all the augment mods you want. 
Yeah. You've got all the syndicate weapons you want. Yeah. So, I mean, this could be the foundation of a restructure that, you know, just hasn't really been thought out anymore. Implemented yet. Yeah. So, I kind of hope so. Oh, definitely. Definitely hope so. It'd be nice if um, Imperium brought with it some some restructuring. But I think that'll that'll come down uh, the path after they've actually got it in place. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, anything else you want to discuss about New Loka? So, Loka is the Sanskrit word for world, meaning Ah, that the uh, New Loka implies the meaning of the New World. New World Order. Yes. I just thought I'd throw that in. A little bit of interesting stuff there. Illuminati confirmed. (laughs) Indeed. That's... uh a good addition. Thank you, Lucas. You're welcome. Yay. Yay. All right, so we'll close it up there. Law episode number 14. We hope you enjoyed it. Next week, of course, we'll be back to our regular schedule of minis. And no, we have not as yet decided which one we will do, but we will soon. That'll be fun. Yay. This weekend, of course, is episode 71. We will be covering DevStream 133. We do have a secret and very cool interview coming up. I'm very excited. How about you, Lucas? <laughs> oh, yep. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. It, it's going to be awesome. Looking so forward to it. Most definitely. All right. And um, let's let's close things out. How about we thank our patrons? All right. Thank you, Rathok. Thanks, Jellybean1799. Thank you, Knight Rider 8503 Thanks, Lord Frieson. Thank you, Logan Neal. Thank you, Danathan. And thank you, Solarian. Indeed. Thank you to all you people. It was Thank You Patrons Day earlier this week, so did put a bit of a thank you out on our social network channels to say thank you to all of you good people, the website, the podcast, possibly. None of this would exist without you. And I did also want to say, not just to those who are our patrons, but thank you to everyone who supports us in any way that you support us. Thank you so much. Indeed. If you'd like to get in contact with us or whatever you'd like to do, join any of our communities, head on over to our website at cephalonsquared.com. There's a whole bunch of information for you that you can make yourself, that you can avail yourself to. Or you can join our Discord, Facebook, all of those wonderful places. Shoot us an email at cephalonsquared at gmail.com. Whatever you'd like to do, get in contact with us, help us out. Give us a rating on your podcast platform. Spread the word to help us grow. My name's Greg Newbegin. I'm Mad Capsules. All over the shop. Who are you, Lucas? I am Lucas Silvestri, and I am Silverlight all over the interwebs, S-I-L-V-R-L-G-H-T. Massive thank you to our lovely, amazing, glorious community. You guys rock. Keep being awesome. Much truth, the Lucas speaketh. All right, and thank you to Jan at Disco underscore Box on Twitter for the intro and outro. Make sure you give him a love letter to Disco Box. I haven't seen one yet this week. Come on, get it out there. We'll catch you in a couple of days for episode 71. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cephalon Squared. If you'd like to contact us, reach out via our website at cephalonsquared.com, where you can find us via email, Facebook, Twitter, or Discord. But don't fret, there'll be more Cephalon Squared in a few short days. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Cephalon Squared.